So you may have noticed we did not hear from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. We didn't hear from any Gospel this morning. And if you did notice, that is one Jesus point for you. Keep track. The Gospel lesson this morning that was on tap for today that we did not hear is the story of John the Baptizer calling out for us to prepare the way of the Lord. I have preached on John quite a few times in my time here at Prince of Peace. In fact, the very first sermon I preached at Prince of Peace in 2011 was on John the Baptizer. I remember this clearly because I talked about, some of you might remember, the creepy seven-foot-tall bronze statue of John in my childhood church. He really is seven feet tall. He's extra skinny, super long finger to indicate the pointing of Jesus, a really big, thick neck to protect his voice. It was creepy. As a kid, I skirted around it to get into worship. I was, he was very terrifying. You can still go see it. It's at St. John's Abbey by the baptismal font. That's where his finger points. It's very symbolic and beautiful. Um, also scary if you're seven. I have preached on John the Baptizer many times since then. His story always seems to fall on my Sunday in December. I don't know how it happens. I don't preach the second or first Sunday of Advent every year. It alternates. So no matter what year it is, it always seems to fall on my Sunday. And while I do enjoy a good sermon on John and his call to prepare for Jesus, I felt like the reading of James was good enough for preparing, and I could not ignore a chance to preach this text from Isaiah. I love this text, and it is, speaks Christmas to me when we hear it. I asked the band to play Lo, How a Rose. That turned out even better than I thought. That was so beautiful. Because this is a part of our Christmas story. Now, Isaiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I know that's not usual. It's, most people find it kind of dark, a little gloomy, kind of hard to read. But most of my favorite images and sections of scripture come from Isaiah. Now, as with everything in the Bible, it helps us to have some context of what we're hearing. So as we read this section of Isaiah, it's almost impossible for us to remove the ideas of Jesus from it. This is why we read it in Advent, really, because it is about Jesus' impending arrival to those of us who understand Jesus. Advent literally means arrival. But that is not how this was originally heard or intended, even. The Israelites were in the midst of a dark and difficult time. That is who Isaiah wrote to. They had turned away from God they had seen the destruction of their temple, their holy space, and they had become exiles. Isaiah was giving them a harsh word about continued dark times ahead. It was not looking good. In Isaiah chapter 10, just before this, we heard Isaiah say that the tallest tree will be cut down and the lofty will be made low. And the people hearing said, yeah, we know. That's us. They feel quite cut off, quite low. They hear this and they know that they are the trees that have been cut down. So what is left when you cut down a tree? A stump. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a forest after many trees have been cut down, but it is quite devastating to look at. All of these stumps. It is impossible 
in most cases, for a tree to come back from this cutting down. They usually don't. And this is how Israel was feeling, very much like a stump, lifeless and hopeless. And yet in the midst of Isaiah's words of warning and destruction, there is this tiny spot of hope in chapter 11. A shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. This is an image of hope that I just love. And it is an image that brings us hope in Advent. Now I know it is very hard to wait for Christmas. We saw that illustrated very nicely for us in kids' time today. And most of us don't wait for Christmas, really. We just cruise on through. As soon as Thanksgiving is done, the tree goes up, right? I heard an analogy this week about Advent being the glass ketchup bottle of Christmas that takes forever to arrive, but we all just want the easy squeeze plastic one. Just instant Christmas everywhere, right? It's a good analogy. It's hard to wait when things aren't good. When you're sad or you're struggling or you're feeling overwhelmed and hopeless, we just want the good stuff, Christmas, to come and we want it now. And even if things are feeling kind of okay for you, but you really love Christmas, you still just want it to get here, right? We want Jesus to come and change everything. We hear it all the time. Jesus changes everything and we're like, okay, I'd like that to start as soon as possible. And Advent says, he will, but not yet. And that is hard, so hard. But that is what we do in Advent. We wait for the arrival. And yet in Advent, as we wait, we proclaim hope when things look hopeless. We declare life when things look dead. A shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. Now those few, probably very few, Hebrew scholars in the room will note that the word we translate as shoot also means rod or scepter. It's a clever bit of wordplay that we all miss because, you know, Hebrew, but the wordplay links the promise of new life to the promise of a new ruler, right? New life, little shoot, new ruler, scepter. And Isaiah goes on to tell us what kind of ruler we can expect to arrive. One who is covered in the spirit of God. One who fears God. One who doesn't make decisions hastily or at the surface level or with hearsay. One who makes decisions based on what is just for those who are suffering. And when they rule in this way, then the wicked feel as if they have been struck down, that their very way of life has been put to death. Who doesn't want that kind of ruler? I want that kind of ruler, one clothed with righteousness and faithfulness. It's important, too, to note what is missing in Isaiah's description of this ruler that is to come. There is no reference here to royalty. This new ruler does not reign like others have. There is no mention of military power and might. It is the words that strike the wicked, not an army. This is a different kind of king. And then Isaiah continues with this word of hope in a section of Isaiah's 11th chapter that we refer to as the peaceful kingdom verses, aptly chosen for the day we light the candle of peace. 
This new ruler that is to come brings about not just a different kind of reign, but an actual reordering of all creation. Isaiah paints these almost hilarious, intentionally hilarious pictures of wolves and lambs taking naps together and babies and toddlers hanging out near snake dens, which I'll say hard pass. But you wouldn't let your toddler put their hand over a hole in the ground where a snake lives, right? We wouldn't do that. But Isaiah says, go for it. They've lost their power. This whole section is kind of ridiculous, and that's the point. And there are literally entire books written on just these five verses. So I'm not going to spend as much time as I could on them, but there are so many different ways that these verses have been interpreted and talked about over the years. Some say these verses mean that the predatory nature of these animals changes so they no longer need to prey on the weak. If that's a metaphor, I like it. Some say they don't get destroyed by the new king. These, these animals still exist, right? The predators are still there, but they simply lose their power in this system. Another metaphor I kind of like. Some even say that in this new kingdom, vulnerability is no longer a liability. And that's my favorite one. Weakness and vulnerability, things that we often put down and label as not enough, are raised up. After all, it is here in Isaiah where we hear, a little child shall lead them. If the whole order of things is changed, if new life can come about out of what looks and feels like death, then what else could be possible? For those of us here, we are not exiles. We are not occupied. We are not most of us, struggling under weight of oppression. So we might miss the feeling of these verses, what this word of hope meant when it was originally heard. And yes, I want to be clear, most of us are doing okay, right? All things considered. But things are still hard. Even if we're not in exile, cancer still exists. So does death. So does mental illness and depression, and addiction. So does climate change. So do mean, awful people on the internet. So do systems that hurt and exclude and oppress people. They are all still here. And when we list them like that and hear them set out, it can feel pretty hopeless. It can make us feel kind of like that stump. And into that feeling, that hopeless feeling that we sometimes have when we think about all that is wrong with the world, into that comes this shoot, this glimmer of new life, of something different. And maybe it's not here yet, but it's coming. It's starting. And that is why I love this Isaiah text so much during this season of waiting and preparing and one of the reasons I love it so much is because there's one word that appeared over and over and over again. It's another Jesus point if you, if you caught it. In fact, it appears in every verse at least once. Out of the 10 verses we had in front of us this morning, this word came up 21 times. It's the word shall. A shoot shall 
come out of the stump of Jesse. The Spirit shall rest upon him. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall rule with righteousness. He shall destroy the wicked. The wolf shall. The lion shall. The child shall. It is not a passive word. It is a word that tells us not what is, but what will be. I have a friend that's a Presbyterian pastor. She said any time in their book of order in PCUSA that the word shall comes up, they take it as a have to. It is a directive. And this directive comes from God. This is what God says God will do. I think this word makes so much room for our darkness, for the ways in which we feel hopeless and we feel cut down and lifeless like a stump. Because yes, you feel like that now, but even out of that stump comes new life. Maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow, and maybe truly not even by Christmas, but what is now is not what will be. To me, this litany of shalls is so hopeful. It is a declaration of things to come. And in Advent, we tend to kind of think backwards, right? It's a season that's filled with memory. We do things around here and in our homes that bring us back to the way things were. We do them out of tradition. We light candles, we paint windows, we make cookies, we do all the things that bring us warm fuzzies and good feelings. But Advent is a season where we expect instead of remember. Advent is a season where we look forward instead of back. We look forward to the way things will be, the way they shall be, not just the way they were or the way they are. This is why I love Advent. It is why it is my favorite season of the church, because I need the reminder to look forward. I need the reminder to find hope when I feel hopeless. Author and poet and professor Barbara Lundblad wrote this beautiful article about the image of this shoot from Jesse in Advent and what it might mean for us today. She is a word artist. If you ever get a chance to hear her speak, just go do it. She has such a gift of bringing text to life and the way she asks us to think about this shoot of Jesse is unique. And so I want to leave this image with you today. So I'd like you to close your eyes and hear her words. She says, what if, what if we believe this fragile shoot is God's beginning? Perhaps then we will tend the seedling in our hearts, the place where faith longs to break through the hardness of our disbelief. Do not wait for that tree to be full grown. God comes to us in this Advent time and invites us to move beyond counting the rings of the past. We may still want to sit on the stump for a while and God will sit with us, but God will also keep nudging. Look, look there on the stump. Do you see that green shoot growing? Oh, come green shoot of Jesse Free, your people from despair and apathy. Forge justice for the poor and meek. Grant safety for the young and weak. Rejoice 
Take heart and do not fear. God's chosen one, Emmanuel, draws near. So, real quick reminder, next week, 9.30, so if you come at 10.30, the kids will be walking out as you are walking in, and you will have missed all the joy. So don't forget to come at 9.30 next week. Um, another little moment, during the Isaiah text this morning, you heard some lines that we say regularly around here, and I'm going to say them again, and I want to know if anybody knows where you hear them all the time. So we heard, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. When do we hear that? Baptisms. Nice. Yes, Sarah gets another Jesus point. Good job. So, uh, yes, we hear that in baptisms. Every time Pastor Chad or I baptize anyone, young or old, we put our hand on their head and we declare that the spirit of the Lord is resting on that person. That happened to you, too. And what this means is that these Promises that we hear, that we attribute to Jesus, include you as well. So when you are sent out into the world that feels hopeless, that is full of cut down trees and feeling kind of stump-like, if you're feeling that way, you have been given the Spirit of the Lord. And so you go out into this world not unprepared and not unequipped. You go in peace on this Sunday in Advent, on the Peace Sunday in Advent, you go equipped to love and serve the Lord. Mm -hmm.